Safe of it to Radley. And he sends it back for Keary. He's going to kick over the top. And Manu is unmarked. And the ball bounces perfectly. Electric footy from the Roosters. There was plenty to crow about if you're a Roosters fan last week. Culminating in the announcement of our six latest inductees to the Roosters Hall of Fame. Well, Thursday night, all rows led to the SCG for a doubleheader. Our NRLW team smarting after a defeat at the hands of Canberra. Well, they came out ready to play. A convincing 30-0 win put a big smile on Coach John Strain's face. And in fact, he washed it down with a couple of cleansing ales, courtesy of the Captain's Club. And after a rousing speech from Gotcha for Life founder Gus Wallen, the boys hit the paddock ready to play. Some tough defence, plenty of penalties, and some beautiful aerial tries courtesy of that man, the king of the air, Daniel Tupu. Saw the Roosters going to the sheds at half-time, 18 points to nil. With the Roosters well on top with 20 minutes to play, Nathan Brown was marched for a high shot that saw him play only one minute. Manly got a sniff, and with a couple of late tries, they were back in the match. But it was that man, Joseph Akususuali, who iced the game with 14 minutes to play. And that was all she wrote. Roosters, 26. Manly, 16. Hello and welcome to this episode of Roosters Radio. Joining me in the studio is producer Pat. G'day, Patty. Hey, Silky. And of course, in the Isabel Kelly Studios up there on the Central Coast, Bells, how are you? I'm well, boys. Lovely to be here. How are you going? Really well, Bells. Look, before we talk footy, let's hop straight into the big event that was on last Friday night. And I should mention too, we also celebrated the 2013 10-year anniversary of our triumphant Roosters team who won over Manly. But Bells, let's hop straight into the big event. You were there, dressed up to the nines, Roosters Hall of Fame dinner. How was it? Oh, it was outstanding. Such a good evening on Friday night there. It was at the ICC at Darling Harbour. And um, I wasn't quite, obviously, I haven't been to one of these before, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. But once I got there, it was, I thought I was at the Logies. I thought I was just a little late to the Logies, really. It was like the red carpet was rolled out, black tie. Everyone was done up to the nines. Um Everyone looked very handsome and all the ladies looked beautiful and you just walked into the room and there were 600 people there. So there was like 60 tables set up. The stage was ready and everyone was just, um, I don't know if it's because we came off the back of that win on Thursday night, but the vibe was really good. I suppose everyone was really ready to induct six new members into the Hall of Fame and it was just a fantastic night. And Bells, you touched on the Logies there. If we're going to go down that track, who was the best dressed on the evening? Oh, look, Minnie, I know he was inducted on the night, but he always looks very suave. Um, Jared blew me away, JWH. He looked pretty handsome too. But, um, no, they all look great. I, I did notice the uh, the old slip-on shoes with no socks is definitely in oh, and the yeah. folded-up so pants. It's a young yep. man's look, that one. Producer Pat goes that way. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> the fancy socks are out the door now and um, it's, a, it's a no-sock affair. But um, everyone looked great and... What a night for the people that were inducted, um, a few oldies there and uh, the ones that couldn't be there, their families were there to accept this great accolade and it was just fantastic to see. Well, Bells, who were the six that got inducted Friday night? So, boys, I know we did a whole podcast on it and it's from two eras. So the first era was a couple of old legends that got inducted. Um, Arthur Pony Halloway. Yeah, was the he was my pick. He, he, he had to be picked. Definitely. Definitely. So he was first up. Um, and then the next two was uh, 
really special, actually. It was the um, the father-son combination. So uh, Sydney Sandy Pierce Sr. and then um, his son, Sydney Joe Pierce Jr., uh, they were both inducted, which is very special to be both done on the same evening and a, and a great honour to that family. So, Bells, Joe Pierce and Sid Pierce, I believe it was their great-granddaughter or, or great-great-granddaughter who went up to accept the uh, the accolade on their behalf? Yes, so great-granddaughter and granddaughter slash. Um, she was up there on stage and it was very emotional for her and, and she accepted that and it was just special to to see someone so proud of their their family and to get up there and accept that award. It was great. And and then, boys, we got the other three inductees. So after that, we, you know, sat down, had our mains, had a mingle so that they did the first three and then, um, you know, we went on a little bit with the evening, had a few beverages and then we got up and we were into the next lot and um, there was a real hush over the next inductees, uh, which was great because a lot of them were actually in the room. First up was the great Johnny Brass, uh, that was fantastic when he was nominated. He jumped up and accepted the award on the night and um, his speech was fantastic. He had a dig at a few of his old teammates and his whole family was there. So um, some of them flew in from Perth and Queensland and it was a real special evening for him and he was very humble and very honoured. He said it a few times, I'm not sure if I deserve this award, but I'm I'm really grateful for it. So that was amazing to see him talk about that and be inducted. And then the next one, which was um, I thought was outstanding, was Fitzy. He was inducted and that was awesome. The, the room actually erupted into applause when his name was announced. Uh, he couldn't be there on the night because he was over in Perth with the Sharks because they played there over in the weekend. But he did send over a uh, video recording of, um, you know, accepting it and how grateful he was. And he mainly focused on just obviously the club um, and the friendships that he made there. And it it was great. It was great to hear from him. And then the last one, obviously, just a legend of the club was Anthony Minicello. Uh, the Min Cat got that. And um, again, the crowd erupted. And it was even louder because the 2013 team were actually there on the mm. evening as well because it was like a three-day celebration reunion for them. So they were there at the Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, he had a fantastic speech as well. And he was very humble and and was just really honoured to be included with all the greats of our club. If we look at those three modern era players collectively amongst us three, Johnny Brass was before our time, but I know my old man talks about him as an absolute genius of a footballer. He was a centre, great defender and had magic hands, goal kicker as well. Played in both those grand finals, I think, in the 70s and uh, was a dual international, both rugby and, and uh, rugby league. So a, a, a well-deserved recipient. I think he's a Sydney high boy too, going back. I mean, you, you probably forgot about Fitzy, if I'm being honest, and how much he's done for our club. Obviously, part of that 2002 team, uh, he led our team also during those 2003-2004 uh, grand finals that we didn't actually win. But done everything in the game. He was a Clive Churchill medal winner. And to be fair, like even in his coaching era, his legacy at the club will remain forever. Well, it's funny you say that, Silky, because Craig Fitzgibbon was my pick. So he was one of my earliest memories with Minicello and Fittler of why I first supported the Roosters. So I was stoked to see both him and Minnie get inducted. And, and Minnie, I think, I think we all agree, was going to get selected. He's oh, just had such in. a, you know, just such a remarkable career. He's done everything in the game from state of origin, representing two countries, of course, a great leader at our club and even a golden boot winner. So uh, congratulations to all those six new inductees and, uh, you know, their families and 
what a great moment for for all involved. Yeah, absolutely. Now, guys, let's talk football because Thursday night, it was a great night to be a rooster. Bells, you and I were out there early to watch the NRLW dominate the Dragons, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. We caught up with John Strange and Corbin Baxter after the match, and we're going to hear from them. But, you know, a, a really dominant effort, particularly through the middle. They never looked like scoring, to be fair, I thought, the Dragons. And, Bells, before the kickoff, we had a, a bit of a celebration up at the Captain's Club. Uh, Giza, who'd flown all the way in from Vietnam, booked uh, four tables nonetheless. So he had 40-odd people. 42. Yeah, 42 his, people. At his uh, celebrate his 50th up there. Uh, a mad rooster involved with the uh, Ho Chi Minh roosters. So a uh, big shout-out to them. <laughs> Uh, and then we saw our uh, beloved 2013 side do a, a lap of the G, and it was great to see some of those great players, and then the football. So it was an action-packed night up there at the Captain's Club. But uh, look, the, the boys, I just loved the way they started the game. Gave away quite a few penalties. Uh, we'll touch on the discipline, but uh, I thought the, the pressure that they applied, to be in particular Cherry Evans, that set us up for the victory. Yeah, it was a great game on Thursday night. We let them in with a few points in that second half, which was a little disappointing. But um, I actually thought, and I'm I'm just going to, you know, single him out. I thought Drew played really well in the uh, halfback position. Um, I don't know if it's just the change we needed, but his kicking game was um was great. It just put the ball in the in the right position throughout the game, and I just thought he he kind of brought the side together, whether it gave Kiri a little bit more freedom to do his thing and create those overlaps out because the centres played awesome, both centres, Manu. The whole back and, line. Yeah, and, and Billy Smith. So the ball was getting to them and it was getting to them earlier and it was getting to them when they had a little bit more time with it in their hands to be able to create the flair that they could do. And they both proved on Thursday night that they can score tries, they can set up tries, and uh, I just thought they played really well. Couldn't agree more, Bells. Look, there was plenty of, you know, stellar performances out there, but I know one that Paddy was super keen on was the young fellow, Siwa Wong. Uh, look, played 80 minutes and, you know, had a cracking game, Pat. Yeah, well, he topped the tackle count at 55, I believe. So wow. he got his opportunity to start for the first time, and I think he took it with both hands. And, and you know what, I really like the look of him in that second row. I'm, I think he might have played in the middle a bit more as a junior. In the middle, yeah. But I think Robbo might have found his position there based, based off that game. Obviously, I watched it from, from home, so it's a bit different to watching it live. But from what I saw, he was involved in everything, and he just went and went and went. Well, he was unlucky. He had a try disallowed. I think he might have just lost yeah, that the ball was a, over the line. No, but, they caught it a double movement. Oh, did they? Yeah, it was a double movement ruling. But, like, yeah, he, he was involved in everything. I didn't know he'd done 55 tackles, but, yeah, a really solid game. I think it's only like he's only had a handful of first-grade games. Guys, uh, we talk about him a lot on the show, and I want to give him a special mention Daniel Tupu, obviously, last week he uh, eclipsed Mini's try scoring record, but his first try the other night, it was just Daniel Tupu wind the clock back 10 years. It reminded me of when he scored in that 2013 grand final when he jumped over the Wolfman. You know, he's up against Jason Saab, who's a dynamic young winger, much in the same build as Toops, and Toops just gave him a bath. Absolute masterclass. He'd completely dominated him on that uh, on that edge. So, uh, you know, the old bull and the young bull, Toops definitely got the victory there. Oh, definitely. Wasn't it great to see? And it was so good. Like, his 2013 team are there watching him, and he's doing exactly the same thing, if not better, <laughs> than 10 yeah. years ago. Bagging a double. And, oh, and got the double. And it was just fantastic. And he's, you know, to go along with it, he's just a top bloke. So, 
Yep, couldn't agree more. Now, Billy Smith, man of the match. I thought he had a good game and was rewarded with another try. Uh, he made quite a bit of yardage on that left edge, particularly in the first half. Uh, it looks like he's playing into a bit of form, and it's good to see because I know he's had a, a, like a terrible run with injuries and looks like he's starting to get a bit more football as we head towards the back end of the season. Yeah, I think he played really well, he, and in attack, he just looked electric. He's got a great build, similar to Joey Marnie, where if he gets on the outside of a defender, he can create that two-on-one with the winger, and he's got, got that, that flick, flick pass in him too. So, <laughs> obviously, he's had a horrid run with injuries. Um, so, it's good to see him on the paddock. And when he first came back, he, I think he won two men of the matches early on as well. So, he just keeps building and getting his match fitness and, and gameplay back up. Really looking forward to seeing more of him. Well, it's about confidence, isn't it? And he's come back now, strung a few games together, and now he looks confident out there with the ball in his hands. So, And as I mentioned earlier, he got it earlier on Thursday night. So he had some more opportunities, and and he he got over the line, which was fantastic. But, boys, I do want to address the discipline. Obviously, it has... um... You sound like a mother there. I felt like we're about to get in trouble, Pat. (laughs) Go to the naughty corner, no. (laughs) But seriously, oh, my goodness, the penalties and the errors, and it just, oh, again, like we won on Thursday night, and that was fantastic, and we were able to get that win up. But it has happened in all our previous games where we've had the losses. Um, We're just handing the ball over, or we're putting the other team in prize position to score tries because we're just on the back foot. We're defending. Even when we do, after we've defended two, three sets, we're down on our own line coming out of our, even our own 20 and we're exhausted because we've just defended about three sixes in a row. So I don't know. What do you think, boys? I actually think part of it may have been tactical there the other night because if you remember the first time we played Manly a few weeks back, our line speed was what we're all talking about. Get up in their faces, rattle them. Cut them off. Don't give them much time to think. And look, I've got a feeling tactically Coach Robinson wanted them to do the same thing. Look, I I agree with what you're saying, Bells, and we commented on the night. We just keep piggybacking them out of trouble. But I think part of their game plan was to get up and in early and put them off their game plan. And to be fair, Coach Seabold actually admitted that in the press conference at the end of the match. Well, it's funny you say tactics because that's what I was going to bring up. And I've mentioned it before on the show, but in 2018, I think we were the most penalised team in the comp. So we were happy to give those away and back our defence. But now with the six again rule, laying in the ruck isn't just a penalty, it's just a six more. So you're, you're so out of breath. And I'm just not sure if that's the, that's the way of the new game. I don't think you can allow the team to do that anymore. Yeah. But 11, 11 errors is not tactical. <laughs> no. Well, you wouldn't think that, so. They were handling you? errors, but yeah. right? Yeah. But that comes yeah. with fatigue again off the back of just defending, well, defending, we, defending. We completed 75%, which is just a pass mark. Uh, mm. Look, I think most commentators, to be fair, weren't big fans of the match. It was very stop-start. Uh, I know the great Phil Gould called it a bludger of a game. Uh, and I think from a... T- I mean, obviously, out there is a lot different to watching on your TV, but... You know, there were plenty of penalties blown. I know that both coaches had talked about it in the press conference. I think it was 15-6 penalty count against us. We had four ruck infringements. I don't know how many six against. And, of course, a send-off. So, uh, you know, what were your thoughts on that? I, for mine, that wasn't a send-off. Ten in the bin, wasn't it? It was a ten in the bin every day of the week. If he actually clecks him in the chin... I'd understand. He did come out. He, they said he left the ground and he came out with force. Well, that's force, not true. But that wasn't true about him actually leaving the ground. Well, that's he what, came, that's he what came they're out saying. With intent, but so it, you, it, get, you get penalised for hurting him now. It hit him in his neck. It never once hit him in the chin if you watch it. So for me, it was 10 in the bin. And Well, he's taken the early plea. So uh, we'll be missing Nathan Brown this week. So he, he's got a week off. But obviously, there was a crackdown. Uh, you know, there was a player 
from uh, the Gold Coast who also got sent off and, and Burgess from South got a couple of weeks. So obviously they're cracking down on those high shots as a consequence uh, as we head into the finals. I'm not sure if you guys noticed, just a little bit off that, the scoreline was actually 26-16, and in the 2013 grand final, it was 26-18. So I thought oh. for a second there we were um, we were going to get on the 10-year anniversary, a bit, a bit of deja, deja vu. vu, yeah. And to be honest, I think if Ola Kawatu wasn't on the field for Manly, we could have put 50 on him. Yeah. He was just everywhere. I counted five try-saving try tackles from him, both sides of the field. So, Oh, well, there you go. Very interesting, Pat. Bit of bit of statistics there. Stats man, Bells. I'm a stats man. <laughs> well, boys, what about the girls' game? The uh, the curtain raiser, thirty to nil. What a performance! Um, coming off the back of the loss, uh, heading down to Canberra the week before, and um, you know, we we obviously lost down there, but the girls pulled their socks up during the week, and they've come out and they've actually um, you know, put a show on for everyone. It was a great performance. Um, my highlight, I thought Taryn Aiken played awesome. Clearly, um, mm-hmm. oh, she just um. She had control of the whole game, which was fantastic. Um, Keely Joseph, she did really well, 32 tackles um, and also 154 run metres, which was quite a few. Um, she didn't top the run metres. That was Isabel Kelly's uh, reward for the night. She topped the run metres there. But um, Millie Boyle also had 181 run metres. So it was a team. It was a really team effort on Thursday night, I thought. And um, it's great to see Corbin back as well. It sure was, Bells. A dominant performance led by their forward pack, who completely ran through the middle of the Dragons. They didn't know what to do, to be honest. And, uh, you know, they were getting so many metres through the middle. It was just a try-fest for our ladies, and you can see that by the by the try-scorers as well. They, uh, they were completely dominant. We spoke with uh, Coach John Strange and Corbin Baxter after the match, and here's a bit of what they had to say. Now, Strangey, what did impress you about the performance tonight? 30 to nil? Oh, look, it was the, the, the nil with the Dragons. We spoke about that and about our defence. It was really off last week and that's attitude. So it was about making sure that um, we turned up, defended well, and we thought if we defended really well, the points would come. So the fact that um, the, girls, the girls kept um, the Dragons to zero, that was, was really impressed with that. You really laid the platform through the middle tonight. The forwards in particular, they really made some big inroads through uh, through the centre and, and obviously Taryn Aiken looked like she had on a string out there. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, we lost a couple of middles from last week as well. Um, so we had Grace Hamilton, the former Wallaroos yep. captain. We actually signed her on Monday. Um, so she trained on Monday for the first time uh, and then did the captain's run. So I thought she was outstanding. Really strong girl through the middle. Um, and also uh, Tawila Fotumuala um, played 15 minutes last week coming back from an injury uh, and then she started up front as well and I thought she was outstanding, especially in her first stint. Now, Corbin, you've come back from having baby number two. Um, how's the body feeling, obviously, coming back after that and what's the feeling around the squad this year? Yeah, it's, it's been awesome. I missed my footy last season. I feel like my knees have aged 20 years and two weeks coming back to, back to some really tough competition. But um, I'm loving being back around the girls. The squad um, is awesome. We have, you know, some great girls that have been around the club for a long time that we've just continued to build this season. And then some great recruits that have add some star power to our team as well. And, um, yeah, just the leadership. I think it's, it's working really well. It's working for us. And coming off a loss last week, I think the girls really got around each other and um, we wanted to lift and have a really good performance for each other and, and for our staff as well. 
Corbin, how was your training this week? Yeah, I think we were very lucky to have a quick turnaround. Otherwise, we probably would have um, had our butts handed to us probably in last night's session. But, um, yeah, grateful for a Thursday night. We could just get back into it and focus on this week's game. Corbin, just with the four new teams, obviously more games, is that, is that a benefit for the Roosters? Obviously, you know, we put last week's performance behind, but are we going to build momentum? Because I know in previous seasons, only a handful of games and you've got to be on every week. Do you feel like playing more... Those combinations will they'll sink a bit better and will lead into the semis and have a, a strong run? Absolutely. I feel like, yeah, being there from um, the first year of the NRLW for three rounds, actually, it was really tough because you win one, lose one game, sorry, and your season's almost over. So the fact that we, you know, we had a tough loss round two, but we know we've still got seven, eight more games to, to get back into it and, and find some momentum. So, yeah, that's what we want. We want a, a competition that's legit and then that we can play footy week in, week out over a longer period of time. And the fact that we can do that at a really elite level is what we want. And um, yeah, 10 teams, four new teams, they've been great. They had some great wins last week and yeah really looking forward to going up against the Sharks who are also a new team next weekend so yeah it's awesome. Strangey on that got the Sharks next weekend uh, what's the focus this week? Uh, the focus will be on us uh, again uh, making sure that we yeah even in attack today we're a little bit clunky at times and so we'll look at that and discuss that as a group because we always want to be improving so um, we'll focus on us we'll have a look at how they play this weekend we'll do a little bit of review on uh, on them and um, and then see who we've got to target. But look, they've got some really, really good players. They've recruited well. I think they're the Sharkies are going to be pushing for the top four, so we're certainly not going to take them lightly. Well, they're not as good as our players, I tell you that much. <laughs> now, listen, um, thank you so much for your time, for coming up and, you know, after your win. And I'm sure you've probably got to go back to mum duties and, and get all that happening. But thank you uh, for coming up to Captain's Club and giving us an insight on the girls' game. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Welcome back to Roosters Radio. Well, what a great interview that was with uh, Daniel Mortimer up there at the Captain's Club and um, great to hear all those stories about 2013. But our eyes are moving forward now to the big week of football that we've got coming up ahead. And um, Saturday night at 7.35pm is kickoff time and we are taking on the Dolphins there. They're coming off the back of a loss. They were over in Perth on the weekend and um, that was a close game in the end against the Knights. But... um, the Knights got the biscuits there, and um, so we've got them on Saturday night. And then, boys, Sunday, 12 o'clock at the old Shark Park, taking on the Sharks, you know, the women's game. So what a great weekend of football. How do you see it? Well, I'll start off with the Dolphins game, Bells, looking for redemption. Obviously, we'll yes, all remember Patty. round one, 2018, we went down. I think everyone was shocked, not just Roosters fans. So one thing about the Dolphins that they still do is they compete right till the end. So... Wayne Bennett definitely knows how to get a team to play for each other. So I think even if we get out to a lead like we did early against Manly, we've got to be ready and prepared for Dolphins to to just hang in there and keep going at us. So really looking forward to it. And the women's game, I mean, off the back of what we saw on the weekend, I'm hoping they just build on that. That was just electric. And Sharks are two losses, one win. So hopefully three losses, one win after this weekend. Yeah, you're right there, Paddy. I love the word you use there, redemption. I think a lot of our playing group just 
weren't ready for the ambush that took place in round one uh, and we'll be much better for that. Look, there's still the slight chance we can play finals. We've just got to keep winning and a couple of results go our way. I think the travel from uh, Queensland over to Perth and to Sydney will also take a bit of sting out of the Dolphins' tail. Well, you called that about Manly last week well, after did, Cherry mate. Evans. That's right. I just thought that. Well, they were flat, weren't they? Yeah. So, uh, look, and travel travel does take its toll. Like, it's a six-hour flight. It's a fair flight, that one. So, I think that may hurt them. Sean O'Sullivan returned for the Dolphins last week, too, which really helps their back line. And if you look at their, their playing list, one through 17, it's pretty much the same side that we took on in round one. So, uh, you know, our boys have to be up and, and ready to play there on Saturday night, but... You know, the, the Dolphins are pretty much out of finals contention now. Our boys have still got a whiff, if you will. So, uh, look, a, a much improved performance once again from round one. We'll see us get the win. And I think, I actually believe, I think we might win comfortably. I feel like there's a few pieces of the puzzle, as Bush often says, uh, and the boys are starting to find a bit of form, particularly our back line. We know, I think, throughout the year, our forwards have led from the front and we've been dominant through the middle, you know, but... It's been our kind of our backline play that's let us down. But I've seen a few things over the past couple of weeks, in particular the Titans, and now that uh, match against Manly that there's a few players starting to play their way into form. And with that, I'm going to uh, I'm going to tip a bit of a blowout here, guys. I'm going to tip the Roosters twenty eight, Dolphins ten. Twenty eight ten. Oh, big one. 10. I like it. Uh, funny you say that. On uh, in the room on Friday night, you know there was that little murmur of we're still in this you know so definitely the boys have not dropped their heads or they still believe they can make that top eight and they can make those finals so i'm going to pick a uh 26 to 16 guys for the against the dolphins same as last week bells yep 26 16 i'm gonna get one right sure (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go a little bit bigger with roosters 32 but dolphins 18 few more points, mm-hmm. Patty. Yeah, a few more points. Strike, okay, track, and alliance. What about the girls? Uh, I'm going to go the girls. I picked a big blowout last week, and, you know, I wasn't far off. I'm going to go Roosters 30, Sharks 6. Well, that's nearly what I had. I've got 36 to 6. Nice. Well, mm. I was going to say something similar that Bell's, so I'll change mine. I'm going to go Roosters 42. Ooh. Sharks nil. Wow. Isabel Kelly, three tries. There you go. Isabel Kelly, three tries. She's been playing some amazing football on that left side. Tough carries. I was actually quite scared for her the other night when she banged her head on the try line. I thought she would go for HIA, but she got up and she just looked strong. Like she, she's, she's, she's just, yeah, she's just powerful, right? Yeah. So I think she's going to create all sorts of drama for those uh, outside edges for the Sharkies. And if our girls continue to, to, to dominate the middle like they did there the other night, well, uh, it'll just be a tri-fest for the Chooks and uh, nothing sweeter than getting the W down there at Shark Park. Can't wait. Well, that's it for this episode of Roosters Radio. We'd like to thank our special guests, Daniel Mortimer, and our NRLW coach and players, John Strange and Corbin Baxter. You've been listening to Roosters Radio. Ease to, to win. win. It's not how to play the game, they play it hard and fair.